Amen. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. All right. We can bring this down a little bit. see if there's enough men here, otherwise I got to change the message. All right, all right, that's good, that's good. Can I get the men to stand up for a minute? Did you feel the testosterone just rise in the room? Amen. All right. Thank you for coming back, men. Amen. Amen. Let's pray real quick. Repeat after me, Lord, enlighten what's darkened me. Strengthen what's weak in me. Mend what's broken in me. Bind what's bruised in me. Heal what's sick in me. Talk to me today. Give me wisdom, insight, and revelation. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, the quote and the theme and the challenge for Father's Day last week, we summed it up in one sentence. Who remembers what it was? Thank you for playing. You have the ability and the authority to make things right. Thank you. Amen. Let's say it in the first person. I have the ability and the authority to make things right right amen i pray gentlemen and and women and ladies and children that we have been making things right all week did that come up in anybody's life this week because i know it did for me you know i was i was in situations and 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 i kind of was sitting back in the situation and and i felt conviction and they say um but you have the ability you said it 80 times on sunday you have the ability and the authority to make things right. So get up and make it right. Anybody? Did anybody have that? All right, good. Two ladies. That's great. Amen. Glad I, I didn't waste all that on Father's Day. Praise God. Well, I want to thank you men for coming back today. I told you it would be a two-parter. And so today I just want to bring you a message. Make it right too. Make it right also. Make it right también. Amen. That's for everybody. Make it right. Let's make it right. Amen. All right. So I was looking at all the pictures that you guys put up last week. You know, because, you know, we had all the men, if you, in case you missed it, in case you were someplace else, we had all the men surround the sanctuary. And it was just powerful, man. They, it was, it felt, it was, it was good to look at. And you guys were posting videos and pictures of the men lined up all week. There was something so powerful about men creating a perimeter of protection. See what I did there with, the, with those words? That's nice. A perimeter of protection, right? It, 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 was, it was awesome. There was safety in being surrounded and you felt it. And from the outside, I was looking at all those pictures and, and me standing outside. From the outside, it looked so powerful. And as I was thinking about that and looking at all these pictures, I started thinking about the trees that surround my house. And my house is on a corner, right? And so we have trees all around. And I mean huge trees, pine trees and, and these big, big trees. And during, <clears throat> during this season, most of the 
the, you know, with all the green filled in and with all the branches and, 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 and bushes and everything is so full that it, it provides a covering around my house. And it's cool because in the backyard it's all covered. It's like you can't see in. It provides like a, a, a nice uh, protection for us. And we can sit in the backyard and, and feel like we're covered, right? The hard thing is, the problem is when the cold season comes. When the hard season comes, we lose all that privacy. And we lose all of that covering because many of the trees lose their leaves. And most of the green in the shrubs and in the bushes, it dies out and it shrivels up. And the house doesn't feel so surrounded anymore. You can look into the yard from anywhere in the street. Because some of the trees are always green. And they, you know, pretty much stay the same all year. And then there are those trees and bushes and shrubs that only flower in certain seasons. I mean, you know, I'm preaching right now. This is scripture. There are some trees that only hold their leaves during some seasons. There are some trees that only bear fruit in good seasons. And the trees, I you know, did a little research because I'm not a botanist, but the, the trees that keep their leaves all year round, those are evergreens. Everybody knew that one, right? That was an easy one. The trees that lose their leaves, they're called what? Deciduous trees. Write it down. We're taking notes. You're learning. Right? Deciduous trees. And deciduous trees is, is from the Latin word. I'm going to sound real smart now. Deciduous trees is from the Latin word decidere, which means to fall off, which is where we get our word decide from. Follow me. So if you, if you think about these words a little and, 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 and you, you, you kind of you know, think about what the, what the words mean, it's like if, if there are certain trees that decide to endure... Mm. And there are certain trees that decide to fall off. You, you men still with me? And so, and so certain trees that, that, the, that they, they decide to fall off, they decide to look out for themselves because that's what these trees do, the deciduous trees. This is what they do. They shed their leaves and, and other parts and their flowers and their seeds and their buds as a form of survival. And so this allows the tree to enter like a dormant period. And so they'll need less water, they'll need less sunlight to stay alive. But during that season, it's like they're there, but they're not doing anything. It's almost like they're there, but they're not doing anything. They're, they're not producing any fruit. They're not producing any oxygen. They're not giving any, any, any uh, shade. They're not doing anything. It's, it's almost like the very things they were created to do, they're not doing because they entered a dry season. <laughs> I, I submit to you today, gentlemen, that we could be a lot like those trees. I came to tell somebody today, you don't have to fall off. You don't have to be dormant when the hard seasons come. You have the ability and the authority to make things right all year round. The scriptures talk about seeds that fell on good ground, right? Trees are just seeds that fell on good ground. You ever thought about that? A tree is just a seed that fell on good ground. That'll catch up to you later. 
So when the dry seasons come, if you haven't prepared yourself, if you haven't grounded yourself and dug yourself in deep, you're not going to stand. There's some trees that they can grow very, very tall and they can weather any storm because of their root systems. I did a little, a little research, right? And so some of them, they're able to send down their, their roots really, really deep and really wide. And so the tree can grow really tall and stand strong and weather. And then there are some trees, this is even cooler, there are some trees that because of the ground that they're on is so rocky and so sandy, they're not able to send their roots down really, really far. So what they do is they link their roots with the roots of the others. Come on. They intertwine with each other and they find their support and their strength in one another. And so these, those trees with the deep root systems and those with the intertwine, when the tough season comes, they don't fall off. They're able to stand. They're able to grow tall. And because they're able to grow tall, they're above all the other bushes. And so they're able to get the sun and the rain. And they're able to keep producing and their leaves don't wither. Amen? Jeremiah 17, 7 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in God. He is like a tree. Say, like a tree. Planted by water and he sends out its roots by the stream and he does not fear when the heat comes for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. Gentlemen, our calling is to remain. Our calling is to never cease to bear fruit in season. How do we do it? You guys are awesome. That's a great question. Good, good job. You're paying attention. David tells us in the very first psalm that he wrote. He says in Psalm 1, look at it. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in this way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Oh, man. Those scriptures give us an amazing picture and a strategy. I mean, you know, the scriptures give you strategy. Why do we bother reading the word? It's to learn how to have life, to learn how to live. God gives us his word as instruction. It's not so we can be religious. It's not so we can look like, like we Christians. It's, it's so that we can have instructions and strategy how to prosper, how to, how, to, how to live, how to have life, how to have joy. We have to stop looking at the word as God's rule book of things not to do. Did you know that's not what the Bible is? We look from the outside. We look at, oh God, if I get into the Bible, it's just going to tell me everything I can't do bad attitude you have a loser attitude if you get into the word you're gonna find out how to succeed how to have life how to have it more oh come on man <clears throat> the scriptures give us an amazing picture in the strategy what does it say when we follow after god we're blessed whatever we touch prospers 
This is not prosperity junk gospel teaching. The word says when we follow after God, whatever we touch is blessed and it prospers. Amen? But when we walk in the counsel of the wicked, what does that mean? That means listening to what the world says is right. That means listening to, listen, the word to the world, right is relative. It depends on who you're talking to. What's right today might not be right tomorrow. What's not right today, Congress will change its mind, make a law, and it's right as day tomorrow. When we, when we, when we listen to what the world says, it, it, we, can't, we can't stand. We, can't, we have no right. We have no, no definition. So it says we can't stay, walk in the counsel of the wicked. One, it says we can't stand with sinners. What does that mean? That standing, that doesn't mean, oh, we just got to be church people and stay around church people. No, we're called to be light. We're supposed to be out in the world mixing it up. Amen? So what does this mean? It means we can't stand. This standing means we can't be in agreement. We can't stand on their opinion. We can't stand on their ideas. We got to be careful what we support and what we don't support. Mm. We got to be careful what we change our Facebook profile picture to just because we want to be... Proverbs says, Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. That's what I have. It says we, so we can't sit with scoffers. And so what does that mean? Those are people that mock the things of God. We can't sit with people that mock the things of God. Let me give you a perfect example. I, I pray all my teenagers are here. I don't understand how we can profess to be Christians, to love God and, and be His and support those in the music industry who openly and blatantly mock God. You can't come in here and lift hands to Jehovah and then pump on your radio Jehovah. You, you can't wear a Jesus shirt here and a Jesus shirt out there. We, we can't sit in the seat of scoffers. To, to God would rather you be him than be that person. Oh, it got quiet. When we stand with them, we get brought down. And God showed me this picture so powerfully right in my backyard. I mean, you know, God can teach you anywhere you're at. God can talk. Listen, if you think God can only talk to you on Sunday from the man behind the pulpit, you are dead wrong. You're religious. God will speak to you in your dream. God will speak to you. God will use unsaved idiots, people. Unsaved, foolish people. To, to bring you correction. And you'll be like. And you get offended. <laughs> and you get defensive sometimes. But God, if God can speak to a donkey, he can speak to any one of the jo at your at your job. Amen? All right, anyway. Woo, got through that one. So anyway, so, so God showed me this so powerfully in my backyard. This is what I, what I was getting to. I was cleaning things up. We were cutting things here and there. And I came across this tree in the corner of the yard of my house. Now, I pass this tree every week. Can I get the picture of the outside of the tree? Do we have that one? Yeah, look. I pass. That's my corner. I pass right through here every day, every day. And so the tree that I'm talking about is right in here. And so this, it looks right like it's healthy, right? There's green. There's, it's beautiful. It's like a wall of green. I'm, it's beautiful. But now I'm on the, 
inside this day. We're cleaning up in the yard because my wife wants things, you know, picked up. And, and I hate that, but, but it's hard, you know. And I want to hire somebody, but, you know, that costs money. And, and so we're out there cleaning. And when you look at this tree from the inside, can we get that picture? It's dead. When you look at the tree from the inside, it's dead. The, the leaves that we're looking at from the outside don't belong to this tree. Oh, this is powerful. This is powerful. Watch this. Watch this. They, they're, they're imposters. They have hijacked this tree. And look, look, look. I'm dead serious. You can see it right here. Look at the... The picture is not too clear, but that's why I cut a piece and brought it for you because I wanted you to see, but I'll get to that in a minute. Hold on, hold on. No, no, that's fine. Let's get there now. Let me show you what killed it. So there are these vines that grow along the floor and these vines, look at it. This is demonic. Look at this. No, no, I'm serious. Tell me that's not demonic. This is a vine that grows up, it gets next to the tree, and it starts to wrap itself around the pine tree. Notice this is not pine, right? So this is not the pines that are supposed to be on that tree. What I'm looking at on the outside are the trees from the imposter. And so it wraps itself. Look at this. Look how per we can like braid that perfectly if we wanted to. This is what what this is wicked. Look. And so it wraps itself around the branches and it starts to pull the branches down. So that, so that its branches can go above the tree. Look at this, look at this. It wraps itself. It, there's parts of my fence at home that it wrapped around the fence and it brought the metal down. That's how powerful this is. I study this. It grows during the right season. It'll grow two or three or four inches an, uh, an hour or, or a day. It's something like crazy. Two or three inches a day, it's just growing and growing and growing and growing and wrapping. And then eventually it brings down the branch and sends its leaves to the top. So that what the vine is doing is stealing all the nutrients from the ground, the water, the rain, the nutrients. And then it's putting its covering over this tree. So then it's stealing all the sun and the rain, you know, and all the nutrients. So eventually the tree becomes a host and the tree dies. The tree dies. From the outside, it looks healthy, but all the while, it's being strangled. Now, that tree used to be an evergreen. It used to always, it's supposed to always bloom. So the only way to do it now is to cut the vine at the root. And so I ran around, I went around cutting, but it's too late. Look at that tree. Look at all the branches that it had to bear fruit. Look at all the branches that this vine... That's a great picture because you see it just going right to the top and then putting a covering over it. Say, no, everything's fine with this tree. I got it. That's what the enemy does to us. No, no, everything's fine with this guy. You come to church and we, we can stand around each other and look healthy. How you doing? No, bueno, bueno, man, victoria. I'm in, I'm in gloria. And no, everything's fine with the enemy. says, everything's fine with this guy. Don't worry about it. Everything's good. It's such a real picture of the way sin works. Hebrews 12, 1 says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and run with perseverance the race marked out with a, for us. Amen? 
So if we have the authority and the ability to make things right, there's two things we have to do. Number one, we have to decide to be ever green, to be ever bearing, to be ever protecting, to be ever loving, to be ever enduring, ever abounding with leaves, ever producing with fruit, ever, ever covering, ever. We have to decide to endure. Amen? And number two, we have to watch what we're connected to. Hmm. We have to watch and make sure that what's around us is for us. There's a quote that says, know your circle. Make sure everyone in your boat is rowing and not drilling holes when you're not paying attention. When we walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners, sin has a way of entangling us and strangling the life out of us. And understand something, sin is like this vine. Sin does not care about you. It feeds off of you. It uses you and then destroys you. We need to get one man in here free today. Man, if one man in here gets free today, if one man in here could shake the vine that's wrapped around him and get free today, all of this was worth it. Amen? But listen to me. And, because, and, and, and the reason I'm, I'm going there is because it only takes one man to change the house. It only takes one man to change the family. And when one man changes the house and changes the family, that, that, one, that one man can change the neighborhood, can change the community, can change the town. One man can make that impact, of a, that, that much of a difference. But listen, listen, men, please hear this. If you don't get right, you can't make things right. Just walk out. Go get a coffee or something. Come pick your wife up after. If you don't get right, you, you will not be able to make things right. I, I'm going to be a little pushy today. I'm sorry. First and second Kings, this is the story that I wanted to tell you last week. I told you I'll tell you next week because it was, it was too much. First and second Kings, we read about all the kings of Israel. And, and man, it's, it's fascinating to read and it's frustrating and it's terrifying. First and second Kings is terrifying if you, if you read the, the stories that are in there. And it started like this. God, God had always led his people through prophets and through, through seers, right? And through his people, through Abraham, through Moses, through Aaron. God always led his people and, and, and through prophets and judges. But, and Samuel, at this point, Samuel was leading them. He was the prophet and he was leading God's people. But the people told Samuel, you're getting old. Appoint a king over us like the other nations have. Two things wrong. They didn't trust God to lead them, and they wanted to be like the other nations. And, and, and you know, and, and they, they, they battled back and forth, and no, and, and, and it, you know, they, that was not the right thing to do. That's not what God wanted, but when we don't put our trust in God, and when we try to be like others, we're going to find ourselves in a bad place. Please hear that. Blessed is the man whose trust is in God. Blessed is the man who doesn't follow in the counsel of the wicked. So they wanted to be like other nations. They wanted to be like other people. 
Like the other nations, the Canaanites and the Amorites, they wanted to be like those people around them. They had kings, and those kings would, would fight, and they had armies, and they would have battles, and, and they wanted to be like those kings. What they didn't understand was that those nations had wicked kings that had evil, evil practices. But that's what they wanted, and they insisted. So God told Samuel, give them what they want. It's scary when we persist with God. God tells us to, to, to battle with him in prayer and to be with him in prayer. But prayer is two-way. Prayer is not me telling God, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. Let me wake up. God, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. Tomorrow morning, God, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. And you're not hearing. And you're not hearing God says, you don't need this. This is not good for you. Stop chasing that guy. That guy is no good for you. The reason I've pulled him away from you is because he's no good for you. Stop asking me for him. Stop asking me for her. Stop going. But God, I want this. I want this. I want this. God, I want this. Sometimes God will say, okay, go. And so God told Samuel, give them what they want. But let me appoint the kings. They wanted wicked kings. God gave them wicked kings. And so, and so it started like this. God gave them what they asked for. He followed the, what follows is King Saul. And you know, we know the story. Some of us, right? Saul, God, Saul is good at first. He's a good king. But then, you know, he, he gets crazy and, and he goes wicked. And so then after him, we have David. And David was an awesome king. Didn't always do things right. Made some, some blunders along the way. But, but he was a good king. He pleased God. He had a heart after God. After him was his son, Solomon. And Solomon was an incredible king. Solomon built a temple, this incredible temple that God would dwell in with the Holy of Holies and the outer core. I mean, this incredible. And Solomon built this. But then Solomon married too many wives. And then Solomon married wives from the other nations. And so then those nations made him worship other gods. Singles, hear me. Those women made him worship other gods. And in the end, he was wicked. He built them temples and, and, and oh, so then, after Solomon, Israel was divided into two countries, the north and the south. And one was called Judah, and the other one was Israel, right? And so Judah had a total of 20 kings, and Israel had another 19 kings. Out of the 19 kings of Israel, every single one of them was wicked. Wicked. God gave them what they wanted. Out of the 20 kings of Judah, 12 of them were wicked. Only eight kings did any good. Can you imagine? Now you had a king that ruled for 40 years, 20 years, some, some long, some short. But for over 300 years, the Israelites, God's people, lived under these kings. And what happened, when you see the record, what happened when each king ruled God's people, when the kings obeyed God, the people were at peace. When the kings did not obey God, bad, evil things happened. These were horrible times for the people of God. Some kings were more wicked than the others. They brought in gods to add to God. So this is, this is where we went crazy wrong. They built temples and altars inside the temple of God to worship other gods. Listen, because this is crazy. They did abominations before the Lord in the temple. And, and the temple that was built to worship God ended up becoming nothing like God What? what God had called it to be. And so what I wanted to do today is kind of give you a picture of what it was like. That's kind of hard to do. I didn't want to show you pictures from back then. So I said, let's, what if we made the temple today like the sanctuary? 
So let's say this is this, the temple that Solomon built. Let's say this is, you know, the temple. And here is the Holy of Holies where the presence of God dwells. Right? And so it's modern day, you know, so we're going to adapt a little. Just, just for, you know, kind of go, go with me on this. You check your Bibles in First and Second Kings to see if I'm, if I'm off. But if we came here in our time, let's say you came here to the temple to worship the, to worship the God of the Bible, right? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. At the foyer, you would find altars where you'd pay to light incense to another God. This is before you get to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Bible. So right outside there in the outer courts, you'd, light, you'd pay to light incense to another God. Then on the other section there, there'd be candles. And so you'd pay to light candles to those gods. And so you're already worshiping two gods before you get, came in. Watch this. This is, I'm, this, look, check your Bibles and make sure I'm not making this up because it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Watch what happens. So now before you come inside here, you can go to that back room. And let's say that back room, there'd be a fortune teller. And in that back room, you can go and have your fortune told for $5, like Manhattan. And then in that same room, there's a lady with tarot cards. And for five more dollars, you can get your tarot cards read. And then in that same room, let's say, that's a big room over there. So there's, there's one section of animals, and you can go right in there and let's sacrifice some animals. This is today, here, let's say. So you go and sacrifice animals to another God, another one. These are all different gods. The incense god is a different one from the Canaanites. The, the candle god is a different one from the Amorites. This, this one is from the Jebusites and the Membethapid and, and the Puerto Ricanites and the Cubanites, the Dominicanites, whatever, right? And so, and so what we'd have here, if we made it modern, we'd probably have a Santeria room in the corner. Oh, in the house of God. There would be the Santeria room, and to go there, you'd put on your beads. And you'd worship that saint. And you'd go there to light a candle, to worship that saint, to be baptized. And from here, we would hear the drums, the voodoo and the Haitian drums coming. We would hear it from here, from the Santeria room. Is anybody getting freaked out yet? And so then you'd leave the Santeria room and you'd come to the New Age room. And in the New Age room, you'd, you'd set up altars to the stars. And so we'd have the Capricorn and the, and the you know, Aquarius. And, and so in there, you, you get your, your, your horoscope before you left church. Imagine one-stop shop. You get everything done in one place. This is amazing. Isn't it amazing? So if, you, if the Santeria thing is a little too heavy for you, you go into the New Age room. And there you can worship rocks and crystals. And, you know, oh, yeah, I feel the aura from the blue rock. And it's just generating peace all over me. Oh wow! And 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 you can you can worship those crystals there. And then and then um, what would be another room? Um, you can oh, this would be a great room. You guys will love this one. This one would be the room where you talk to the dead when you want to communicate. So in here we would have necromancers and and mediums and spirit. This is real. This is read your Bible. This is in your Bible. And so in there, if you wanted to talk to abuelita that passed. You go in there, and the lady in there will tell you, oh, I feel, I feel grandma here, and grandma is telling me, you still don't take an umbrella when it rains. And you go, oh, my God, grandma's here. And you talk to the dead in that room. That'll be the dead room. I'm, I'm not done. On the roof of the temple, we'd have altars. 
and you would see through the skylights. You'd see the priests up there stoking the fires and, the, and lighting the flames and offering the sacrifices to those gods of the Canaanites and of the Amorites right above us in the temple of God. Now, now, now let's... And oh, oh, and it's even better because these priests would work around the clock and your tithes would, would pay for them. How many down for that? Let's get the ushers. Your tithes would pay to have these priests working all day long. You would support this to worship that God and worship that God and worship that God. And wor- I mean, some of you are supporting it anyway because you, you, you go and get your... Let me, let me get me started. Anyway. Now let's take it to another level because that's what they did. The extra wicked kings, they set up altars to Baal. And, they, and that was the Canaanite war god of war and the god of, of fertility. And they designated priests who would worship him by cutting themselves and, and, and shedding blood. And they would round the clock work cutting themselves and worshiping him and, and worshiping. And we'd pay them to do that so that Baal would be satisfied and so that we could have blessings, so that we can have children. He was the god of fertility. Well, you can't have children by yourself, so you need a woman. So we'd have to have Asherah the Canaanite god of fertility. And so we would set up Asherah poles all throughout the sanctuary. And an Asherah pole is a phallic symbol. Do I need to explain? Google. No, don't Google. It's a, it's a male genitalia um, phallic symbol. And there would be Asherah poles. And the only way to appease Asherah was with prostitution was with sex. And so the Asherah poles would have female prostitutes that danced around. Listen, this is not fact. This is me. I'm thinking in my... I think the modern day stripper pole is an extension of an Asherah pole. Ooh, think about that next time. So you're worshiping. You're worshiping. Oh, I'm going to mess some of your game up right now. Again, I'm not saying that's scriptural. This is, this is me. I'm, I'm thinking when we look at, the, at, at how it was worshipped and what they did, it's not far from a stripper pole. It's not far from that. But again, that's not biblical. That's, I'm saying that. Okay, all right. So let's clear that up. So, so they would dance around this and they perform acts to please this goddess. So now, if we're talking about this building as a temple, then probably the annex would be dedicated to all the sexual acts. So that's where we would have houses for the male prostitutes and the female prostitutes that lived in the temple of God. Anybody bugging out yet? So, so, so in there, so on the annex, when you came here to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of, of, of creation, the God, before you got to him, you went through all of these gods. And you could stop anywhere along the way. You'd never got to here. And, and if you wanted to sleep with anything, you'd go on to the other side. And you could sleep with anything, you could kill anything, you could sacrifice anything on the other side. There, there were male prostitutes. Now, understand something, the... Um, the um, Women were not allowed in the temple, and so, so those male prostitutes were for the men. So there was something else happening here too, in the temple of God. So they're male and female prostitutes. But 
Unfortunately, we can't even stop there. There's another level we'd have to take it to. The most wicked kings, they built an altar to Molech. Ah, Molech was the Canaanite fire god. Isn't it crazy that we don't have enough in a God that we want to add to God and we want to add the things because we want to be like other people. We want to do what they do and we want to we want to know the future and so we, we think this will, God will give us anything we want. God will, God will speak, God will let you know what you need to know. God will, you know what I'm saying? But, but no, we want shortcuts and we want this and we want this and if we go to this and we pray to this saint, this saint will help me find, that saint is dead. That saint can't help you find nothing. That's foolish. That's not what the word says. The word says, go to God. God, I lost something. God, the spirit of God will help you find it. Okay, I'm sorry. Forgive my outburst. So they, they lifted an altar to Molech. So Molech was a fire god. And so these priests would be all dressed in black. Hmm. These priests would be all dressed in black and they would be in charge of constantly feeding the fire that made this metal statue's arms glow red. And you know what we did to the metal statue whose arms glow red and they were out like this? We'd sacrifice babies to the fire god in the temple of God. We sacrifice. Many of the kings themselves give their babies sacrifice baby and so they the drums would with the the, the the priest would have fire and they would have drums to drown out the screams and the cries of the babies and they would throw babies into the burning red hot firearms of Molech and then pray that God would give them blessing and that God are we having fun in the house of God yet I can't wait what you what people are gonna tell you what pastor spoke about today oh no pastor was light you know whores in the temple, you know, stuff like that. Are we having fun yet? There's male and female prostitutes, and there's, there's divining spirits of astrology and new age, and they're practicing witchcraft and necromancy and, and medium of spirits and in the church, and we're worshiping saints, and we're sacrificing animals on the altar to strange gods. And then after all that, maybe we'd come in, and the worship team would sing a worship song to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No longer the God of Israel, but just a God in a Walmart superstore of gods. How can God not be angry? How can God's wrath not be stirred? How can God allow that and tolerate? I'll, I'll be totally honest and open with you. If I found one of you doing that kind of craziness in here, I don't know. How can God not be angry? How can God not destroy them in one? And if you, if you think there was no grace in the Old Testament, just read this. Just think that these were God's people and they were living like this on and off for 300 years. And all the while, what did God do? God sent them prophets. God still send them prophets. Why? 
They're worshiping Molech and, and Asherah and dancing and sleeping with prostitutes and fire and necromancy and dead and consulting spirits. And God is sending them prophets, Elijah, Elisha, Jeremiah, Hosea, Isaiah, Jonah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Obadiah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Through those years, God sent them prophets and the prophets would come and say, you're angering God, stop this. Turn to God. Stop worshiping these. Stop where Elijah came and killed all the prophets of Baal. I love that story. I'll, I'll, I'll preach that again another time because I love preaching that. He took on all of them and killed them all because he was, you know, because God, you know, enough is enough. Somebody has to say enough. And so all the while God is sending them these, these prophets and they would say turn from this and turn from that. God loves them. God wants them to turn to him and find peace. But if the king set it up, the people would worship it. And at specific seasons, one king would rise up. I'm going to end here. Um, one king would rise up and say enough. Enough. This is not what the temple of God, this is not who we are. One king eventually in a season, there's only eight of them out of the 40. One king would rise up and say, enough. This is not who we are. This is not the, what we're called to be. And so Josiah was one of those good kings. And then you can read his story in 2 Kings in 22 and 23. And, 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 and in 2 Kings 22, it says, Josiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And, and I like this because I like Josiah's story because Josiah had every excuse to not make things right. Listen to me, those of you that say, yeah, but you know, this is not, you don't understand where I came from. You don't understand what I've been through. Josiah was eight years old when he became king because they killed the father before him. Josiah had, his father was wicked. His grandfather was one of the most wicked of those kings. So he had every excuse to not make things right. He didn't learn the right things from any of them. He was only eight years old when they finally killed off the, the dad and he became king. See, sometimes we have to decide whether we're going to stand and make things right and be evergreens and be ever faithful and decide to do what's right in God's eyes even if it seems like everybody's lost their minds. So the people had been living like this for many reigns of terror. And they had been already so entangled in their sin. They had so much, their arms had already been just tied down where they couldn't worship the God of, of Abraham anymore. They couldn't lift their arms anymore. But it only takes one man to decide to stand. One man and, and to bring change. And so the first thing he does, this is awesome. The first thing he does is he starts building the temple. The temple had been destroyed because of all the craziness. You imagine if all this is going on, the temple is destroyed. So the first thing he does is he starts rebuilding the temple. And watch this. When he rebuilds the temple, as they're repairing things, somebody finds the scriptures. What does that tell us? It means the church had lost the word. This is so scary because this is the church today. This, this church is today that have lost the word. And so the high priest finds, they're like, oh my God, what's this? And the high priest, and, and, and scholars believe it was the book of Deuteronomy because it was Moses' 
scriptures, right? The scriptures that they had back then. And, and the high priest reads it. And then they take it to the king, to Josiah, and they read the, its scrolls, right? So, you know, it's, it's whatever. And, and so they read it to the king, and the king hears the word, and he cries, and he weeps, and he mourns. And Deuteronomy talks about, about what, what happens when we don't follow after God. Deuteronomy talks about the benefits of following God, about the, the punishment of being against God. And, and God's heart in that matter. And so they find, imagine they have been so far from God that they lost his word. Nobody read the scriptures anymore. Nobody gathered to listen to the words being shared. Nobody, it's scary to think that a generation has lost the word. But family, if the enemy could take the word from us, they could decide for us what's right and what's wrong. And that's happening today. There are so many antichrist agendas. They've removed prayer from schools. They removed the commandments from the courthouses. There's atheists busy at every Christian blog and every form of social media just trying to spew their nonsense. Spew doubt and tear the word from our young people's minds. Josiah heard the word and he tore his clothes. <coughs> and he was broken. And he was convicted and he repented. And so he inquired of the Lord. He sent to, for the words of prophets. He says, God must be so angry at us. God must be so ready to destroy us. And so he sent, he sent the prophet to hear from God. And so the prophet came back and God said, because you tore your clothes and because you wept before me, I also have heard you. Somebody hear that today. You can say, what is my simple little dumb prayer? I, I don't even pray like the smart people. I don't even know how to pray like the, the really, you know, pastor, whatever, whatever people. What is my dumb little prayer? God says, I heard you. And, and look at what he tells them. He says, surely, therefore, I will gather you to your forefathers and, and you'll be gathered to your grave in peace and your eyes shall not see all the calamity that I'm going to bring on these people. See, God's grace is so amazing that he says, I'm going to destroy Jerusalem. I'm going to destroy Judah. I'm gonna, my wrath is going to demolish, but I'm going to do it in 300 years. Why? I always thought there was no grace in the Old Testament. I thought you did something wrong, and sometimes, you know, that did happen. You did something wrong, you died on the spot. I said, whoa, God's angry. I don't want to deal with that God. But if you look at the really study of the Old Testament, God is gracious. God will say, you got me so angry, your kids, 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 I'm going to destroy them. And you can say, oh, that's evil. I don't want the God like that. What is God doing? God is giving you 300 years to make it right. That's grace. That's more grace than New Testament. He's saying, I'll give you 300 years. I'll give you three generations to turn to me already. And then when one of you turn to me, he tells Josiah, you never, you're going to see peace. And all of your people are going to see peace. You are not going to see the collapse. In other words, I'm going to postpone. Amen. God has already declared wrath on his people. But when Josiah turns to God and turns, turns God's people turn with him, God granted him peace. One man can make a difference. I just want to ask you today, are you that one man? Worship team, you guys could come. Pastor Gary, I want you to come. Listen to what Josiah did. Josiah went on a clean house spree. 
Who, who has a Puerto Rican mom in the house that, you know when she flips out and that Saturday morning? For, some of you are that Puerto Rican mom. It's, it's six in the morning and you start banging pots. Bang, everybody, levantate, everybody up, everybody up. Today we're cleaning this whole house. We're scrubbing the ceiling. We're scrubbing the walls. We're scrubbing the floor. I want everybody. If your friends stayed over, they got yelled at everybody. Everybody, right? Your boy is sleeping like, yo, your mom's wilding. No, just start cleaning, bro. You know what I'm talking about. Josiah did a Puerto Rican clean house. He said, I'm cleaning everything. And so he went, he went and, and he tore down the altars and he tore down the, the temple and the priests that were paid to God, he had them killed and he desecrated their altars with their bones. And he took down the Asherah poles. He took them out of the city and he set them on fire and made them to dust. And then he took the dust and he desecrated their altars. He destroyed every high place that set itself up against God. He went not just in his town, he went to the towns next door and he took it, he took it to another level. He tore down every temple. He said, only God. And then he made a covenant. He made a covenant with God's people. He stood, he gathered all the people and he read the word. And he covenanted with God. He said, God will do what your word says. And God, and he made the people say, they'll do what your word says. We'll covenant with you, God. He cleaned house. Now here's the part I was really wrestling with, but I'm going to go there. The more I thought about this, the more I saw the connection from Judah to us. In the Old Testament, the temple was a building. It was a place that people had defiled with all of this stuff. In the New Testament, the temple is our bodies. And I'm sure when we talked about the temple having all of these crazy things in it, we all said, oh, oh, that sounds so crazy. Those people are so off. But how about when we talk about the temple being our own bodies? Is it that far off now? Have we, like God's people of that time, slipped so far that there's altars to idols in our bodies? If these bodies are our temples now, do we do what Judah was doing? Do we worship other gods? Have we added the gods of money and sex and greed? Do we have altars built up to other gods that we light candles to with our worship? Does internet porn become the same as having prostitutes in the temple? Is killing babies in our wombs any different from sacrificing them to Molech? How about gossip and hypocrisy in the church? Doesn't the Bible say that that's all witchcraft? So are we practicing witchcraft in the temple? If we were created to worship and this is the only place that we worship, then the rest of the week, what are we worshiping? A minute ago, we probably judged those people and we say, man, how could they be so wicked? How could they be so far from God? But the question I want us to wrestle with is, do we have the same things going on in our temple that they had in theirs?
Do we have all these altars set up inside of us? Do we entertain our gods with our lifestyle, with our behavior, with our music even? Are we so entangled in our sin that we can't even lift our hands anymore to worship? Are we fooling ourselves that the leaves and the fruit that we're bearing is from God when it's really the counterfeit on the outside? Josiah heard the word and he wept and he repented and he called the church to do the same. Church, I'm standing with you today and I'm saying it's time to clean house. It's time to clean house. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. And we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. I've asked Pastor Gary to come and just tear up the vines. If you're willing, if you're open, then stand with me. I stand with you. I don't stand in front of you. I stand with you. I'm saying things got to get cleaned out, man. If we're going to be the salt and light of the world, we got to stop playing church. We got to stop coming to church. We got to stop attending church. And we really got to start being the church. responsibility to the men. It's the man in the home that has the responsibility before God to be what's called the gatekeeper. The gatekeeper means I'm not tolerating hell to come into my house. I'm not allowing that evil. You can't play that music here. You can't talk like that in my house. We do it in love and grace. But there's got to be a man that's going to be strong. So I want to pray for the men first. So I'm going to ask, if there's even one man here who's saying, I'm going back home today. And if you're single, you prepare a home. That one day when you get married, a woman can come and she's not going to be hurt and wounded and disgusted. If you're, if you're a single father, you have kids and they don't live with you. My daughter didn't grow up with me. She lived in a home that hated the name of Jesus and she's in ministry today. You see, it's not about the distance. It's about your heart. you got to determine right now as a man. And I, I don't pray for everyone. But first, I, I got to see if there's at least one man today that's going to be a Josiah. You heard the word of God, and now you're going to come, and you're going to smash those idols. You're going you're gonna to throw the evil out of your house. 
You're going to cut off every voice that speaks into your head. That, that tells you you're just wasting your time with this God stuff. If that's you, only if you're serious, there's nobody looking at you today. I, I only want someone who's serious. Would you raise your hand before the Lord right now and say, I am that man. I am that Josiah. I'm going to bring righteousness into my home. Again, if you're single, that's you too. So, Father, I first pray for every man, Lord God, who has their hand raised, oh God, before you. And I anoint you right now. I anoint you as an idol destroyer, as a worker of righteousness, a cleanser of the temple. You see, before you gotta, you could clean your home. Before you could clean the church, you got to clean your heart. Can you just let go right now? Let go of that wrong relationship. Maybe some of you got drugs in your pocket. It's wait, decide when you leave here, it's going in the garbage. Illegal prescription medication. Some of you may maybe got illegal weapon. I don't know what it is. Some of you single men, you might have a condom in your wallet. When you leave here, you don't know what could happen. So just in case, you need to throw it out. You need to decide that whatever you can't do here, you can't do it out there. If you can't curse at your wife in front of Pastor George, you can't do it in the car on the way home. If you don't abuse your kids right here in front of everyone, don't do it in your house. Just, just take a minute. Just allow the grace, the very grace and the love of God. It's coming through you right now. Just give it to him. Decide right now. You're not going to look at that junk in the internet. If you need to, take your computer and throw it out. Whatever it takes. Father, cleanse us right now. In the name of Jesus, Father, wash us. Wash our minds from those images that we put into our heads, oh God. Father, those perverse things of this world, oh God. We, we give you our lips, God. We have cursed people with our lips. We've tried to fit in, act like everybody else, God. But you made us to be a, a nation of kings and priests. So I anoint every man right now as a world changer. That you will bring righteousness and holiness into this world. So I just want to pray now for everyone. But I want the men to help me. Those of you, you came with a family. I'm going to ask you, just put a hand on your wife or your kids. 
just on this shoulder. And you begin to pray. If you can't do it out loud, God hears the prayer right in your head. He knows your thoughts from afar. Just begin right now. Every man here who has a family with him, you you start praying. Start right now. If you're not going to do it now, you're not going to do it when you get home, when your favorite show is coming on. And Father, I pray right now for every household, God. I speak your cleansing. Every spirit of abuse, every spirit of anger that constantly rises up, the gossip that goes on in secret in every home, God, we repent. Come on, give it all to him. Make a decision. Otherwise, all this church stuff is all a waste of time. If it's not affecting you, if it's not changing how you live, you're you're here for no reason at all. You missed a chance to sleep late. Father, use us, oh God. Father, we are instruments of change in your hands, oh God. Father, we will serve you and you alone. We turn from all the gods of this world, oh God. Anything that stands between you, Lord God, and our hearts, we cast it aside. Anything that takes it and robs the time that you want us to spend with our family, oh God. Anything that takes away and distracts us from spending time with you, God, those are idols. We cast it down. Whatever that is for you. That excuse that you don't have time to spend with God because that's an idol. Father, we thank you today for your cleansing. I thank you. There's grace for you right now. This isn't a message that God is angry at you. He's not going out to destroy you. He wants to see you walk in victory. He's tired of seeing you go through the same circle over and over. Never never moving forward. But it's going to take a decision. Can you just lift your hand to heaven now? Receive the grace of a loving, your loving and heavenly father that loves you. You can't change yourself. But there's a God in heaven. If you turn to him, he'll break that addiction off of your life. He'll change the way that you speak. He'll give you the power that you need to stop looking at those pornographic movies. The power, it's all in him. So just receive right now. There's grace for you. There's grace to change your heart, to change your family. Father, we love you, God. We receive your the grace of a loving God. 
Father, we will not tolerate the evil things of this world to penetrate our hearts, our minds, our home, our children, oh God. We give you our lives, everything that we have, and all that we are, God, it all belongs to you. Can we just praise him? Can you spend a minute to worship the one true God, the God that loves you? We love you, Lord! Jesus! Come on, praise!